All right, hey guys, a little programming note before we get underway. Um, obviously, this episode is late on the weekend. The plan for the summer is to hopefully release an episode every Wednesday. But on weeks like this, where there's a lot going on, both for myself and in the sporting world, uh, there's just times and weeks where it doesn't make sense to release an episode on Wednesday. So I decided to wait till after the Mets series. Um, the Braves came back Thursday night and broke the hearts of the New York Mets. Three straight comeback wins to sweep the series. So you'll hear me talk about the Braves. All of that talk is before Thursday night's game against the Mets. Um, and then some golf stuff, the PGA Tour merger with Liv. Obviously, I had to sort of take my time with that and figure out what was going on before I could figure out what I wanted to say. Um, so we got that as well. Um, and then some other stuff too. So the plan for the summer, I'm going to release an episode every week. Some of the weeks that they might be weekend episodes, obviously right when football starts, um, you know, early August, it'll start. We'll go back to Tuesday episodes every single week. Um, I'll record them on Monday and then we'll go from there. But just wanted to give you guys that programming note. All right, let's get on to it. All right, welcome into Hawkers Podcast, episode 162. I'm Travis Chadon, and the podcast, as always, presented by Midtown Sports Grill. Midtown Sports Grill at 4521 Habersham Street. Food, drinks, sports, seven days a week. To-go orders, 912-349-6350 or www.midtownsportsgrill.com. Check out all their weekly lunch specials, all their weekly promotions, including... Uh, they got trivia. They got piano. The piano bar guy comes in and plays, I think, on Monday nights. Um, we got daily lunch specials, the Friday prime rib. You got to go get that on Friday. Tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you, and they will give you a little discount, a little HG perk. You guys know how that deal goes. Tell them we sent you, and they'll hook it up. Music on Wednesday nights. Sports on all the days, food on all the days. Midtown Sports Grill, our title title sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast. Man, I got to get better at speaking at some point, you know? 162 episodes in. You guys know the deal. Let's get after it for 162nd time. Hot Grits Podcast. I hate LeBron James. When God created Adam and Eve, the next thing he did was yell at the referee. But first, some sports. Alright, welcome in episode 162 of the Hot Grits Podcast. Boy, do we have a doozy of an episode today. I'm going to start with the Braves, uh, as we do on most episodes. But I really was considering starting with PGA Tour live golf stuff because I got a lot on that too. I got a lot of takes today. And we got a lot of clips today. Stephen A. Smith, Zion Williamson, uh, that's quite the story. Got a clip of Stephen A. at his absolute best. I can't wait to share that with you guys. Some of you may have already heard Stephen A.'s take in that whole crazy Zion story uh, from the NBA. Uh, Going to talk NBA Finals. Obviously, Denver up 2-1 to one now uh, after Nikola Jokic's historic Game 3. The guy is incredible. I mean, he's nuts. He's Already one of the greatest international players of all time. So maybe we touch on the NBA Finals as well. Um, but first, the Braves. Two of three from the Mets. Two of three from the New York Mets. The Mets continue to stink up the bed when it comes to playing the Atlanta Braves. And your first place Atlanta Braves, folks, your first place Atlanta Braves have now beaten the Mets. Listen to how sweet these numbers are. 10 of the last 12, they're 55 and 36 since 2018 against the Metropolitans. The Braves are 4-1 and one this year with 13 total games. Um, 
So four and one after Wednesday night's game. The Braves are against the Mets. All right, so let's take a look back at some of the notable stuff that's been happening with Atlanta. The 37 and 24 overall after Wednesday night's seven to five comeback win um, over New York in Atlanta. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. I planned on recording right after that Braves game for this episode. But then all the stuff came out Tuesday afternoon about Liv and PGA. And I just didn't have time to like properly prepare for that, give any kind of takes on it. And I didn't want to release an episode without takes on that. The biggest story in the sports world. So the Braves Tuesday night are delayed by almost two hours before starting the game in Atlanta. And not one raindrop fell. A rain delay for almost two hours. No rain. Now, look, I'm not going to complain. I was once a grounds crew member. Well, I shouldn't say once. I was a grounds crew member for five plus years at the Savannah Sandnats. No big deal. Uh, so I know I know that the radar can really screw with a grounds crew from time to time. But you don't see that too often. And it screwed late night podcasters like myself. No big deal. Uh, it screwed us. And so I'm going to blame this week's late episode, which is becoming a trend, late hot grits episodes. I'm going to blame that on the two-hour delay. doesn't matter. The Braves won the game. And Bryce Elder, just a, the quality start machine. When Bryce Elder takes to the mound, it's a quality start. It's six innings, almost a guarantee, six innings. Pete Alonzo... And the Braves, like, you know what happened on Tuesday. The Braves come back for a second straight game. Um, and they, I mean, really, I think the story of the game on Tuesday night, besides the fact that it was two hours delayed without rain, was Pete Alonso hitting the home run off of Bryce Elder, and he hit it 900 feet. But the Braves come back in that game, they win, late and after Alonso's home run the mics pick up the fact that he yelled throw it again throw it again out towards Bryce Elder later that evening obviously the Braves come back the next night Wednesday night Alonso comes to the plate and of course all Braves fans have had the 24-hour cycle they're going to know about it so they've all heard it you know they've all heard the throw it again throw it again and so Wednesday night, he gets booed. Then he gets hit in the wrist, has to come out the game. Even the New York, New York Mets broadcasters said it wasn't intentional. Looking at Charlie Morton's reaction, it's incredibly obvious that it wasn't intentional. Um, there was no warnings given or anything like that. So, And, like, surely if there was any indication that it was intentional, Pete Alonso, who was public enemy number one in Atlanta – for a viral clip, like the umpires would have been aware. Okay. So the spell of that, that Charlie Morton did that on purpose, uh, which I would have been cool with, but I don't think that was on purpose. Alonzo ex exits the game. Uh, Tyler Matzik, there's a clip of him yelling, throw it again, throw it again. Uh, the Braves players were already mocking him and it just gets better and better every time the Braves play the Mets. And you know what else? Can I say something? The, the Braves, when they go to Arizona, they come out of Arizona better. They come out of Arizona good as shit every single year. Remember the famous players meeting or the, the team meeting with Snicker? Then they went on to win the World Series. Now they come back. Eddie Rosario's grand slam to win the rubber game against the D-backs, who, by the way, are leading the National League West. They have the second best record in the National League. Behind the Braves. Your first place Atlanta Braves. So the Braves leave Arizona off on Monday and then take a game from the Mets when Carlos Carrasco starts. Then they beat Max Scherzer on Wednesday. Justin Verlander on Thursday. TBD against Spencer Strider. But it doesn't matter. The Braves already won the series. They're 13-5-2 in series this season. The Mets have lost five straight. They're closer to the Washington Nationals in the standings than they are to the Braves. 
Before Thursday's game, the Mets seven and a half back, seven and a half back from the Bravos. Um, and Atlanta, what else is new? When I start criticizing an Atlanta Braves player or unit or decision, they correct it. Their listeners, Alex Antopoulos, Alex Antopoulos, 100% listener. Snicker, obviously an HTP listener. Duh. Hello, Skip. But we were all over the bullpen. I was all over the bullpen. I was all over AJ Minter. He was stinking up the joint. I told you to wait on Rysel Iglesias. And then the bullpen just turns out 16 consecutive scoreless innings. 16 consecutive scoreless innings going into Wednesday night's game with the Mets. But they gave up a run uh, on a sack fly. And I think it was the eighth inning on Wednesday. Acuna makes a play against the wall, which was fantastic. Michael Harris follows it up with another great play in center field. And the Mets only get one out of it when they were, when they were threatening. When they were threatening late. So another great thing Wednesday was Michael Harris starting to really come out of it. Clearly. I saw Justin Toscano of the AJC had a story about Marcelo Zuna telling Michael Harris that he's the best center fielder in baseball, basically giving him a pep talk. Then Michael Harris goes out and has the best game of his season. Something about the Sozuna guy, man. I told y'all every single player, like, Loves that guy. So, I mean, he really just must be just a shitbag to his wife. That's really it. But, I mean, he's playing well. Man, if they get Harris going, Sean Murphy still doing his thing. Albies and RC are really, really solid up the middle, too, defensively. Not a big defense guy. You guys know that. But they're making good plays. The kind of plays that when Grissom was there was like – you know, not a guarantee. And Albies even was a little shaky early on coming off the injury, but it's all starting to look good now. Three straight comeback wins. They're 14-5 and five against the National League East. Um, Fangraphs, Fangraphs 95.6 wins projected. 98.5% playoff odds, 88% National League East. To win the National League East, 85% to earn a buy, and 18.8% to win the whole shebang. Braves made a really important roster decision earlier this week as well. A historic moment in the Atlanta Braves franchise. Rotary Munoz, Munez, M-U-N-O-Z, Rotary, R-O-D-D-E-R-Y. He was called up. And why does that matter? The reliever, he is wearing jersey number 69, which is obviously nice. More importantly, more historically, he's the first Atlanta Braves player ever to wear jersey number 69. So remember that name, folks. In terms of uh, barrier breakers, it probably goes Jackie Robinson. Um. Jackie Robinson, let's put Barack Obama to Rotary Munez. No, Rotary Munez to Barack Obama three, first black president. Munez two, first Braves player to wear jersey number 69. That's an impromptu top three for you. No time for top fours. Was going to talk about the Ozuna benching. Um, but it seems like so much has happened since then. Uh, I would just say this, that obviously I'm cool with Brian Snicker benching Marcelo Zuna on that play where he hits it a mile and it doesn't go out. He only gets a single. He's the DH, so you don't know he's out the game until his turn comes up the next time around. It's not the same thing as when he pulled Acuna a few years ago. Not the same thing. Acuna was the best player on the team. They were playing the Dodgers in an important series. And Acuna was always going to be showboaty, so to speak. Nothing's changed about the way Ronald Acuna has played since Snicker did that. Okay, nothing's going to change when Ozuna did it. The difference is that Marcelo Ozuna is not the best hitter in the Braves lineup. Ronald Acuna was and is. Different scenario. So just to touch on that. 
Smith Shaver is going to stay up. I think he's going to try to pitch this weekend. I think they're going to have to start him, right? I mean, going into Thursday's game against the Mets, he hasn't pitched since his debut in Arizona. They sent Soroka down, who's never going to pitch. He's never Mike Soroka. Michael Soroka is never going to be a big league arm again. I mean, he might put together a season or two here, here and there, but sadly, like he ain't got it, man. If you don't have it by now, you like I just don't know. Low risk. It's not like the Braves are risking anything. Send them back down. Maybe he figures it out. But I don't see it. I think in that start against Arizona, the Diamondbacks had 30 swings. And they only whiffed twice. So he only made the the bat miss twice on Diamondback swings. 28 out of 30 swings resulted in contact. Not great. Those are Mike Fultonevich numbies. We don't want that. You never want to be compared to Mike Fultonevich. I mean, just in any way. On the field, off the field. That's the opposite of what we want. Uh, what else we got here for the Bravos? Oh, I wanted to say one thing. I wanted to give a, a little take here. I think the fact that the Braves are seven and a half up in the standings. I'm starting to think now, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. Lots of baseball left. Lot, tons of baseball. Gobs of it. There's baseball all over the walls. Okay, so I'm not assuming the Braves are going to win the National League East. Not assuming. But if the Braves were to go into the All-Star break, if the Braves were to approach the trade deadline early August with 10, 11, 12 game lead in the National League East, a buy all but wrapped up, then you can start, if you're Anthopolis, you can start trying to improve the team in a short series, in a playoff series, instead of trying to improve the team to make the playoffs. I've talked about this a lot. There's there's a team, there's a way to build a a Major League Baseball team in 2023 to, to get you to the playoffs. But when the playoffs come around, we know the rotation is shrunk. So your four and five man in the rotation and even your sixth, seventh, and eighth starter they don't matter, but they do matter over a 162. You got to have those guys. So Anthopolis can start looking towards a playoff series and say, what do we need to win a three out of five? What do we need to win a four out of seven? Period. You don't have that luxury if you're only five up, six up, seven up. So if the Braves do get real hot here, and they have a chance to, look, Thursday against the Mets, three against Washington, they're shit. Detroit sucks. Three against them. Colorado for four. They stink. Then they're at Philly on the 20th. So those 10 games, three versus Washington, three versus Detroit, four versus Colorado, you think they go at least seven and three? I don't know. Something to think about. Like, I do think it's a fact that if a team is up by like 12 or 13 games before the deadline, the GM undeniably looks at trades and what is needed differently than if a team is one game up or one game back in a wild card. You might need that extra, you know, left-handed reliever or a fifth starter. Whereas if you're planning for the playoffs, you might go get a guy that's incredibly fast, a guy off the bench that is a guaranteed stolen base. He might not serve you well, you know, down the stretch, August, September, but come playoff time, when you have to have a bag and Sean Murphy singles, that could be a guy that you'd love to have. Because right now the Braves don't have a guaranteed steal off the bench. That wouldn't be difficult to come by, I wouldn't think. John Carr. John Carr Real Estate with Seaport Real Estate in Savannah is a sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast, and he is your guy if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah area. If there was a, a Hot Grits Podcast Real Estate Agent of the Year, John Carr would be three-time champ of that award. So call him, text him today, tell him we sent you, 
All right, let's talk about the Live Golf and PGA Tour merger now. Um, there's a lot that I want to get off about this. There, I have a lot of takes, I guess. I don't know if they're takes, but thoughts, feelings. A few days removed from it now, we, we know a little tiny bit more, but we don't know a lot. And I want to share a few clips from around the golf world to kind of give you a sense of, of what, um, you know, of what shaped my opinion. On, on this thing. And my opinion is this, is that Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, is an absolute rat. I mean, he's a master rat, but he's a rat. We found out that the P and, and hopefully, God, hopefully you know by now that the PGA Tour and Live and the DP World Tour have merged. Saudi-backed money, um, the Saudi investment fund is essentially running professional golf globally now. Um, and so, you know, it seems like, and this is not so different from today's world and, and politics, you're either on the right or you're on the left. You're either black or you're white. There's no middle ground. There's no room for nuance. None of that uh, boring stuff. You got to pick a side. When the live golfers went to the live tour, I wrote, I said on this podcast that you know, I don't think I'm not going to judge them morally. I can, I'm not, I don't care what their morals are. I've always said that never, ever, ever put your athletes on a moral pedestal. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to expect them to be better people or worse people than non-athletes. There's no correlation between being an athlete and being moral. So for us to expect them to be some sort of example is dumb. And we deserve to be let down if we do that. So I don't do that. A lot of you don't do that. Jay Monahan did that, the rat bastard. If this all happened without Jay Monahan, it would be way, way less slimy. If the merging of the PGA Tour and Live Golf happened without douchebag Greg Norman and without douchebag Jay Monahan, we'd have ourselves a nice tour. You'd have a global world tour without the Saudi-backed money. And that would be epic. The only problem with this is what happened in the seven weeks leading up to the announcement on Tuesday of this of last week. Anything Jay Monahan says now can't be trusted. He continually told all the players, choose the good side over the money. Choose the morally right over the money. And then what did he do? He went out and took the money, which is fine if you want to take the money, but you can't spend a year bashing the players, banning the players, evoking 9-11 families, evoking September 11th as, um, you know, as a prop for your stance. That's rat behavior. That's piece of shit behavior. And now he's going around, Jay Monahan is, just taking the lumps, saying he's sorry, saying he regrets it. But the fact is, the PGA Tour had to up their purses. They had to elevate events because of the Lyft Tour. And they were running out of money. Live Golf was always going to outlast the PGA Tour. But fuck, man, I thought the PGA Tour could last longer than a year. To say all the stuff that Jay Monahan said, like this in 2022, pure game. This is Jay Monahan, 2022. Well, certainly had a notion that it was coming. Um, and I, I would just go back to the comments I just made. Um, you look at look at who's with us, Joe. You got the top 20 players in the world. Uh, the best players in the world are committed to, uh, you know, to competition, to pure competition. There's not an interest in, in, in competing in performing in exhibition matches. This is all about competing at the highest level. Every player out here, every player that's with us grew up trying to get to this spot, uh, grew up trying to, to create a legacy. Uh, and that's what this platform provides. 
So to your point, when you're dealing with a non-economic actor, you have to focus on the things that you control, the essence and the soul of your organization. And it comes back to that, again, that combination of a competitive platform, the impact, and ultimately how players as independent contractors can monetize that and build their own brands and build their own businesses. And that's something that you saw yesterday, a continuation of with the announcement uh, of Tomorrow Golf and the work that we are doing, partnering with Tiger Rory uh, and, and some top players that will be announced at a later date. Oh, the purity of the game. The purity of the game, Jay Monahan. Working with players like Tiger and Rory. Well, Jay Monahan didn't work with Tiger and Rory on this. He didn't work with Jack. He worked with nobody except for Jimmy Dunn and the leader of the Saudi Arabian PIF. By the way, we got too many, um, we got too many three-letter. Um, I don't even know what they're called. We got too many th- groups of three letters here. We got PGA, LIV, PIF, POS, which stands for Jay Monahan, piece of shit. Jay Monahan said um, last June, a year ago, about golfers joining the Live Tour. Quote, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? End quote. At that time, the answer was no. Now, that question's got to be asked of every PGA Tour player moving forward. What Jay Monahan did, you, we can talk about it being good for the game of golf. That's fine. It's good for the professional game of golf. It's good for the fans who follow professional golf. After all, you get to see, think of like Formula One. You get to see all of these players in a global tour. So instead of playing events in, you know, in Muncie, Indiana, you're playing a tour event in London, a tour event in Shanghai, a tour event in New York City, LA, Miami. You're going all over the world and you don't have a European tour event, a live tour event, and a PGA tour event all on the same weekend. Instead, the best of all three of those tours can now go to Dallas and play in this new league's event. It'll be the only event. We don't have to worry about the Ryder Cup stuff now. We don't have to worry about the President's Cup stuff now. There are benefits to the professional game of golf, which will be better in the long run for fans and the players get more money. Fine, 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 fine. But golf's folding on this. So quickly, one year in, they've made the PIF an essential part of the global sports economy. The Saudis and their $620 billion, okay, they were already involved in sports washing. We know that the soccer players, the soccer teams, the live tour, But this is different. This is the controlling of an entire sport across the globe. And we already saw, we saw on Tuesday when all this news was breaking and Jay Monahan was making the press rounds, the Saudis are already calling the shots. Because when you have $620 billion, the PGA Tour was forced to merge with live. So a year from now, if the Saudis don't like something, okay, if the Saudis don't like what a player is saying about a political event, about an international event, who knows what it could be? But the money is where the power is. This deal proves that. And who has the money? The Saudis. That means they have the power moving forward to control the entire sport. That's a fact. I know it's all about the money. You know it's all about the money. But Jay Monahan told us it wasn't all about the money. He lied. Him, Jimmy Dunn, and one or two other people 
are the only ones on the planet who put this thing together. They're the only ones who knew about it. Essentially, and you'll hear Jay Monahan in all these clips, he talks about, quote, the framework agreement. Can't talk about it. It's not official. It's a framework agreement. Well, then why did you announce it? I know why they announced it because something was coming. It was either about to be leaked, so they needed to get out in front of it, or one of the big-name golfers was going to jump to live. A lot of people think it was John Rahm. Rahm, Scotty Scheffler. Any of those guys leave or threaten to leave? You got to make a move. So why did they do it? We know why they did it. It was the money. Jay Monahan will tell you it's better to be work together with Liv than to work against him. What nothing changed in the last year except for the fact that you ran out of money, pal. And you knew you were running out of money, so why did you lecture all of us about the morality of the game? You're a rat. And you used I mean, Rory McElroy comes off looking. He called himself, he said he felt like a sacrificial lamb. You know, he comes off looking not great, pretty gullible. Here's what Roy, here's some quotes from Roy McElroy um, on Wednesday, about 24 hours after the announcement uh, was made public. Just as a follow up, I mean, you do see why fans are upset, though. I see what you're saying that it's not live, it's the PIF. But nonetheless, you know, during this back and forth over the past year. At one point, Jay Monahan said a deal like this would never happen out of respect for the victims of 9-11. Obviously, you're not res uh, responsible for what Mr. Monahan says, but you can see why this has stirred up a lot of emotions in fans, right? Of course. You know, I, I said it to Jay yesterday, you've galvanized everyone against something, and that thing that you galvanized everyone against, you've now partnered with. So, yeah, of course, I understand it. It, it is hypocritical. It sounds hypocritical. Um, the one thing I would say is, again, whether you like it or not, the PIF and the Saudis want to spend money in the game of golf. It is, they, they want to do this, and they weren't going to stop. <clears throat> I've come to terms with it. Um, I see what's happened in other sports. I see what's happened in other businesses. And honestly, I've just resigned myself to the fact that this is, you know, this is what's going to happen. Like this is, it's, it's very hard to keep up with people that have more money than anyone else. <laughs> and again, if they want to put that money into the game of golf, then why don't we partner with them and make sure that it's done in the right way? And that's sort of where my head's at. That's a man to me that sounds defeated. Quote, they weren't going to stop. Quote, I've come to terms with it. That's kind of how I feel. $620 billion, you're almost always going to win. I mean, you can't fight the money. But the problems, they exist far beyond, far beyond what's next. The problems are what's already happened. Jay Monahan seems to have survived this. Seems like he's going to continue to be atop this thing. He's now been made the CEO of this new league. Um, so he benefits from it. He gets a nice hefty raise. He took the money that he begged other players not to take. He gave ultimatums. And then over the last seven weeks, him and his cronies making backdoor deals with the Saudis, getting CEO gigs, and all is well. So he comes out looking pretty nice. The PIF, I mean, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, is the biggest winner, obviously. The whole goal of sports washing is to outlast the narrative. So if you're sick of this conversation right now, I just want to watch golf. That's sports washing working. Now, whether you care if sports washing works or not, 
is fine. Like I don't, I'm not judging people that say, listen, I just want to watch the best players in the world. I don't really care where the money comes from because they're not paying me. I, you know, I, I don't think golf fans should, you know, have to be put in a situation where they're like, do I have to take a moral stance and not watch this tournament? I mean, here's the fact I'm watching every golf tournament, no matter what doesn't matter. Okay. And and that's going to continue to be true. I think for a lot of people, Jay Monahan wants you to think that this is about growing the game of golf, which makes no sense. This merger beneath the professional level of golf, which is 99.9% of the sport is played beneath the professional level. Your weekend golfers, youth golf, college golf, the amateur, the amateurs uh, tour circuit or whatever. This affects them none. It grows the game none. So for Jay Monahan to pretend like this merger helps uh, the underprivileged youth to get into the game of golf, it helps grow the game is bullshit. He spewed bullshit one year ago, and we have proof of that now. He's spewing bullshit now. You can't trust anything this guy's saying. How do we know that he's not coming up with another deal right now behind closed doors? We didn't know about this one. If Tiger and Jack don't know something's coming down the pipe in golf, you fucked up. Something's wrong if Tiger and Jack don't know about it. Jack went on the whole weekend at his Memorial Golf Tournament on CBS. He didn't know a thing about it. Made him look like an ass, which I'm okay with. Tiger was better. But using Rory, Spieth, JT, that's what created the bitterness in the first place, was using the moral stuff to shun the live golfers. Now the live golfers got their money and they're going to be able to come back and play on a tour with some sort of penalty, I would assume, that said they would never be able to return. They are returning. Backtrack. It's the sound of the the beeping of a truck backing up. That's Jay Monahan. The rat. So I don't think that people should, you know, now have to stop watching golf because of this, I don't think if you watch golf moving forward, pro golf, that you're supporting the Saudis. That's not on us. That's on Jay Monahan and the PGA because they're the ones that started this shit. Should have just ignored Live Golf. You should have just ignored it. If guy say quotes like, if guys want to go play, they have the right. They're grown men, they're professionals, they have the right to seek out the best opportunity for themselves. We wish them nothing but the best. We hope that they stay. And we believe that the PGA Tour is still the number one tour on the world, in the world. That's it. Instead, you're talking about 9-11 families. Have you ever had to apologize? Do what's morally right. The purity of the game. Bullshit. It's all bullshit. Some people still don't care. They'll argue um, the, the Saudis are in cahoots with a lot of American business. We like, we accept generally as Americans that business practices aren't always morally right. In fact, a lot of times they're not price of doing business. I mean, it it sort of is built into the premise of a free society, a free market and a quote unquote democracy is that, you know, there are winners and losers. That's the American way. But when they get involved in sports, that's different. An entire sport is different. Okay, this isn't Apple getting phones made by child labor. That's a hundred, that's billions and billions and billions of dollars of an industry not of a sport that we were told was pure. It's not. 
So golf just became Amazon. Golf just became Apple. It be, now golf is no longer globally, professionally, like any other sport on the planet. And live, um, you know, not live, the Saudis, they're not going to stop here. Because sports washing is undefeated. It's never not worked because you will get tired of hearing about this. And you will stop and you will forget. And the Saudis will win. It was the only result that could have ever happened. But I got news for you. If you care more about a Bud Light can than this, I can't relate to you. Seems pretty dense to care more about what's on a Bud Light can and to protest Bud Light as opposed to protesting the modern-day Nazis, the Saudis, who have confirmed murdered journalists, including Jamal Khashoggi of the Washington Post. They cut his head off. The CIA has confirmed that. I don't know about the confirmation of their links to 9-11. They seem pretty strong. Seems pretty strong that the Saudis funded 9-11. So seems to me like that would matter more than a he, she, they, or him on a Bud Light can. Think about your stance on these two things for a second and think to yourself, which one actually matters? I got news for you. It ain't the beer. Jay Monahan chose to have his players only meeting at the Canadian Open where there are no players. Most of the players there are outside of the world top 100. It's a bunch of nobodies. Certainly he wasn't going to have this happen at Memorial at Jack's place. That couldn't happen. Rat moves. The Golf Channel was all over this. They had Johnson Wagner on to talk about it right after the players' meeting. Um, this is an interesting little back and forth here on the Golf Channel following the players-only meeting or the players' meeting with Jay Monahan uh, last Tuesday. We're joined now by Johnson Wagner, three-time winner on the PGA Tour, our colleague at Golf Channel. Johnson, you were on Zoom listening to the meeting. What was your biggest takeaway? Um, well, I was on speakerphone on a friend's phone, probably not the smartest decision I've ever made as a PGA Tour member, but uh, it was contentious. Um, a lot of players are unhappy, and if you think about the field here at the Canadian Open, the RBC Canadian Open, you've got a lot of guys that are playing out of 126 to 50 category. You've got a lot, a lot of guys playing out of the... Uh, you know, the rookie category. So you don't have a ton of the top players. I would have been interested to hear a lot of the top players perspective, um, but it was contentious. Uh, there were many moments where certain players were calling for new leadership of the PGA tour and even got a couple standing ovations. Uh, I think the most powerful moment was when a player quoted commissioner Monahan from the three M in Minnesota last year, when he said, as long as I'm commissioner of the PGA Tour, no player that took live money will ever play the PGA Tour again. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just seems like a lot of backtracking. I think as we step away from this and see it unfold in the, in the coming weeks, I think we'll get more clarity. But there was a lot of anger in that room from players, that feeling like they can't trust what the leadership of the PGA Tour says anymore. Johnson, I mean, with this substantial uh, change it seems like pga tour players are being fed breadcrumbs and trying to catch up was there more of a call for transparency on what led to this and then the steps going forward so the players feel like they are joined at the hip with the decision of pga tour leadership and commissioner monahan there was a lot and, and, and numerous times players would say, hey, this is our tour, right? This is a player's tour. And Jay would respond, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And the response is, well, then it doesn't it certainly doesn't feel like it, given the way uh, things have gone over this last year and a half or so. And like we discussed earlier when I was on, there is a there is a uh, path in which uh decisions get made politics happen on the pga tour and that has clearly not been followed over the last year or so with the designated events and with everything that's gone on today jay's first week 
on the job as commissioner, he pledged transparency to the PGA Tour. And one of the players in the meeting asked him if he feels like he's been transparent with this. And Jay did respond with, no, I have not. What surprised you the most in the meeting, Johnson? Uh there was there was a few people that were actually very supportive of it, thinking that, that this could be good. There could be a global golf tour. Um, there was uh, he def, Jay definitely had some people rallying around him. But definitely what surprised me the, the most was the contentiousness of the meeting and how many people. I mean, standing ovations when when calling for new leadership in the PGA Tour. It was a bit it was a bit shocking. The people that were in support of it versus against of it. What would you say the room split was percentage wise? Just give us a general ballpark. Uh, 90-10. Right, so there you heard it, 90-10. to 10 Against Jay Monahan, against this decision. Of course, Monahan's going to admit he hasn't been transparent. Monahan's admitting all of this. He's just taking the blows. He's rope-a-doping. Letting people swing, and he's taking it all. What does he care? He just was made, he just got the biggest lucrative contract of his life from the Saudis, from his boys, from his people. The very people that he told us were morally in the wrong. And therefore, if you follow them, if you support them, you too are morally in the wrong, says Jay Monahan. What right does he have? Who does he think he is that he and his, and his rat pack can grow the game of golf? The game of golf did not need growing. It is objectively, factually, in the best place it has ever been, period. That's from the youth level to the recreation level all the way up. The game of golf before this merger had never been in a more popular place. It is booming. The game of golf did not need saving. What did need saving was the PGA Tour. And when your business needs saving by the Saudi Arabians, you messed up. And in my opinion, you should be held accountable. Like Rory said, the decision was made it was kind of a no-brainer at this point. You had to do it. But there were months leading up to this where things could have been different. The rhetoric out of Jay Monahan's mouth is what makes this so slimy. Now, a hard, hard fact. There's pretty much, and I say pretty much, there is right now no way to play golf professionally without directly or indirectly endorsing the Saudi Arabians, supporting the Saudi Arabians. Not possible. Let that sink in. There is no route to playing professional golf without being involved with Saudi Arabia. That's what three or four men decided for all of us. I don't think I'm going pro. Did shoot 88 the other day, though. I don't think I'm going pro, but a lot of people from age 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, they had dreams of going pro. They, and obviously, we know there will be pro golfers in the future. They're coming up. Now they don't have any place to go where they don't have to support the Saudis. Money's going to win out, and it won out again. But nothing changed from when Jay Monahan was talking all that shit about 9-11 and about how, you know, you, you've never had to apologize for playing on the PGA Tour. Nothing changed except for the fact that they were running out of money. That's all that changed. Now the PGA Tour doesn't have to open its books to an investigation. All the cases are dropped. Uh, you know, there was going to be the FBI looking into the inner workings of the PGA. They were going to have to open up some skeletons in the closet. They don't have to do that now. 
So they benefit. The Saudis don't have to be deposed in all those cases. They benefit. Full swing on Netflix. They benefit. What a lucky day for them. That TV show, that's going to be epic that they got to capture all this. As it was going down, Big Loser, the CW app, who none of of us knew it existed before Live. It was short-lived. They were attracting about 200,000 people per tournament, which for comparison, non-major, non-elite PGA Tour tournaments usually attract about two to three million viewers as opposed to 200,000 on the CW. So where do we go from here? I don't know. I don't know. But it was a historic day in golf. It was the biggest, most influential day in the history of golf. And a 94-year-old tour has changed forever thanks to the work of Jay Monahan, the Saudi Arabians, and one or two other people. The Lady and Sons Restaurant, a segment sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast, 102 West Congress Street. Lady and Sons, you guys probably know the name, Paula Dean, Jamie Dean. Uh, They have their restaurant, obviously, at 102 West Congress Street, but then the store right next door, literally right next door to the restaurant, also on Congress Street, open seven days a week, 11 to 9. Monday through Thursday, and then 11 to 10 on Friday and Saturdays. 912-233-2600. 912-233-2600 is the number for Lady and Sons. Find them on Facebook and ladyandsons.com. All right, so while all that was going on with Live and PGA Tour and all that stuff on Tuesday, <clears throat> June 6th, some other stuff was going on in the NBA world. Uh, we obviously know that the NBA finals are going on right now. I think I need to throw a hand up about the, um, about the NBA ratings. The ratings have been pretty much identical outside of game one. Uh, so game two and three have been identical pretty much to the Warriors and Celtics last season. I did not expect that at all. I think game one got roughly 8 million, which is real low. Um, And then game two got an identical number to game two last year, Warriors Celtics, uh, just under 12 million, about 11.9. Game three, very similar, I think 11.7. So I think I was wrong about that hand up. Uh, Nuggets lead two to one. That series is over. It's over. The Nuggets have won the NBA world title. Thanks to Nikola Jokic, who is already better than Dirk Nowitzki. But what else was going on in the NBA world? What was going on in New Orleans with Zion Williamson? Wow, this this story just has delivered. And we got a Stephen A. Smith clip for you. But just a little background quickly. Here's a headline from Vibe magazine. Quote, adult actress Mariah Mills airs out Zion Williamson after girlfriend's pregnancy reveal. End quote. Now that's my kind of headline. That's my kind of headline. Zion Williamson had a video come out with his girlfriend, uh, Akima, A-H-K-E-E-M-A. They revealed uh, on an Instagram video, I think, that they have a baby on the way. So uh, now we, we, first off, the gender reveals, you guys, are getting out of control. You know, it's not like a lottery where there's hundreds and thousands of different outcomes. You're either going to have a boy or a girl. And then later they can identify which one they want to be. But pink and blue, that's it. They're getting out of control. Okay, just tell us what kind of baby you're ha- having. Tell us where the registry is. And tell us where we need to be and when. That's it. And if it's a boy, consider the name Travis. But 
Zion on Instagram with his uh, girlfriend. <laughs> this is so funny. Goes on and basically announces that she's pregnant. <laughs> and Zion didn't consider the fact that his other girlfriend, porn star Mariah Mills, M O R I A H, Mariah Mills was going to see it like the rest of the world. And Mariah Mills went off on Zion. She went off. Lots of tweets. Not sure where I even want to begin. Certainly not going well. See Mrs. Mills' Twitter account because it's still going this weekend. She's still tweeting about him. She's still doing it. And um, I'm scrolling down right now so I can get to the tweets from... Here's one from... This is... This is one from June 8th, so a couple days after. Quote, you wanted me to tat your name on me and quit OnlyFans and social media, and then you went and had a baby with a thought. <laughs> uh, I'm scrolling down. Um, she's got videos. Holy crap, she's got videos. Here's one. You need a baby to get a bag. I get it, just because we're not on the same level. End quote. Quote, why be a low-budget baby mom when you can be the kept girlfriend? End quote. Quote, you let that hoe finesse you. Is why I'm angry. She's 29 with an adult child already. I know there will be other women, but I didn't expect you to get those hoes pregnant, Zion. And my personal favorite. Quote, I let you spit in my mouth last week when we fucked. You could have told me you had another whore pregnant. How is that going to work? Both of us moving to New Orleans. You think I would have found out? This might be my favorite one, actually. This might be my favorite one. I motivated you to get back in shape. I let you fuck me all kinds of ways and film me on your phone. And you impregnate a low-budget porn star? Oh, Zion, just getting toasted. And you guys say you don't like Twitter. How could you not like Twitter? A free market. You know, I got some thoughts on this with Stephen A. Smith, and this is Stephen A. at his absolute finest. A clip from his podcast earlier this week. Stephen A. with some takes on Zion. Now I know that it's my job to talk about the news, but I pride myself in not getting into people's personal business like that. I talk sports, I talk news, I talk current events, stuff like that, but I kind of refrain from the personal because there are certain lines that can't be crossed. But I do have an obligation to say this much. A girl by the name of Mariah Mills is all over the internet and calling him out by name, attaching his name to stuff and saying, giving vivid details of their encounters with one another. She's a porn star. Are you ready for this? I'm kind of pissed. Kind of pissed off. Because all I can think about is Man, you only played 29 games last year. I mean, she's a porn star. Well, one would surmise she's kind of an expert at whatever it is she does. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been waiting for the leg injury to cure to, to heal, Zion. I've been waiting, I've been waiting for a while. They've been waiting for a while. New Orleans has been waiting for a while. I mean, we've been waiting, man. I'm not going to get into all of this. I'm just going to say, yo, man, when you going to play? I ain't, forget her. Forget all that. That's your personal business. When you going to play, Zion, in 29 games? You missed the game, the game before. Your first season, you only played 21 games. Your second season, you missed 21 games. You played 24 games your first season. Missed 21 your second season. Didn't play your third season and only played 29 out of 82 games your fourth season. I mean, damn, bro. No wonder you, no wonder you ain't healthy. I'm talking about your legs. I'm talking about your legs. 
But you can't get healthy. Your lower extremities were compromised. Some people would say evidently not all of them. I am not going there. I am simply saying I want to see you play. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Stephen is the man. He is the man. But he's right. I mean, Zion just hasn't played at all. Turns out he's been pretty busy, actually. Now we know. All right, let's wrap up. Um, Friday was June 9th, 6-9. Nice, happy 6-9 day uh, to those, all those who celebrate. A note on the pro-globe movement. Folks, the pro-globe movement is officially complete. It was a successful campaign. They said we couldn't do it. They laughed at us. They said, you're an idiot for taking pictures at the globe. It's a rundown, beat-up globe. They're going to tear it down. They're going to move it. Wrong. They saved the globe. The Starbucks over there opened this week, which I'm counting as the official ending of the pro-globe movement. Now, this is not to say that we're not always going to be pro-globe. We are. Forever pro-globe. So are you. I know that about you, listener. You're a pro-globe guy or girl. But actively, we're going to start withdrawing troops. We're going to bring our troops home. And the mission was a, was a, a raging success. So pat yourself on the back this week. Drive down Durant Avenue, check out the globe. Maybe get a picture in front of it. Tweet at me, send me your pictures of the globe. That globe will be there for as long as any of us will be here. Count on it, bank on it. All right, we'll see you for episode 163 next week, folks. Stay safe, wash your hands, you filthy animals. She's a porn star. Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, 
SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282.